Let's Get Two presents Go, Go Astros! Go, Go Astros! A focus on H-Town Hardball. And so we are back here on a podcast version of Go Go Astros, and Andy will not be joining us due to whole body discomfort. But Brian's here. Brian, how have you been? I have avoided discomfort, which, um, and you can get actual injury updates on me. So I'm the Jordan Alvarez of this podcast. <laughs> Speaking of, um, you know, scratched yesterday, sore hand, that. Reporters have seemed to downplay, and Dusty seems progress using words like progressively worse. Uh, overall, what is your take on just a Jordan one being injured? Two, I'm guessing doesn't play in the All Star game. Yeah, I mean he'll be on the injured list over the All Star break, so I can't imagine he would play in the All Star game. Um, he may not even be eligible, so um, that is disappointing for a first year player. Um, for first time all-star and of course disappointing that we won't get to see Jordan in the um, in the uh, home run derby um, this is a real the athletic had an article today that was you know obviously written beforehand it was like hey who would be sort of the star who would be the emerging player of the all-star game and they had Jordan at the top that's disappointing but um, you know I think a couple points to make here one is there were actual leaks, not a statement, but leaks yesterday with specific information on the injury, which is really unusual for the Astros, who usually just say discomfort and, you know, who knows, some point later, the guy shows up on the roster. And that's the next we hear of him, i.e. Michael Brantley. Um, we got some specific information, and it looks, you know, the, the target is that he'll be back after the All-Star break, and it seems like this is a chosen uh, injured list stint. This is something that's been lingering for a while, and they wanted him to rest it. The broader and global point is, um, with a massive lead in the American League West, we should expect more of this over the over the second half of the season. There is no reason to push any of these players, and the big goal for the Astros is to get ready for October. Not only a big lead in the division, but also a big lead in the second seed, with I think now that's at nine and a half games. Yeah, and so again, no reason to push it, and I would expect, frankly, they almost ought to schedule, you know, you know, just like the vacation schedule at work, sometimes they should schedule, the, you know, put that up in the clubhouse, have everyone check with their wife to see what uh, what week works best and, you know, just go ahead and schedule that in. Well, um, let's talk about last week then. Since we, since we had our last episode, the Astros, it looks like they went five and two, um, but it was a different kind of five wins. And, and I wanted your take on it from a sort of what did this mean for the makeup of the team kind of thing, because these were games where in almost all of them, they had to come back including a five-run comeback, um, what, which also saw Astros' Twitter meltdown over Jake Odorizzi. I don't think they apologized after yesterday, but we'll see. But what did that tell you about the team showing their ability to actually have a couple of comeback wins, which we hadn't seen all season? Frankly, we hadn't seen it even much last year. Yeah, uh, part of the reason is there had been little need for that. Um, I guess there's always a need for it when you lose, but, you know, you could come back. Um you know, I mean, the first lesson I took is the Royals bullpen isn't very good. Uh, the second lesson, though, is 
the Astros offense, um, you know, in the first 27 games of the season, averaged 3.8 runs per game in the second uh in the second 27 games of the season, averaged 4.3. In the third uh, set of 27 games in the season, averaged 4.8. This is an offense that keeps, that has been improving. And I think the bad start to the season, we can now write it off as just, they, that was their slumping month. And, you know, by the end of the season, that'll kind of fade away. It's not as good as offense as we saw last year or some previous years. You know, it's not something that's going to lead the league in runs. Uh, it's not quite as deep, but it's a much better offense than it looked in the first month of the season. And we saw that by the ability to, again, come back. They needed to score a lot of runs to come back in all those Royals games, and they were able to do that. Well, it's also doesn't have to be as good an offense as it did last year because the pitching is so much more solid. Yeah, and the development, hey, Framber Valdez, all-star, uh, which I think um, – had you told us that uh, any time in 2018 or 2019, we'd have, you know, not sure we'd have believed you. Um, you know, it speaks to the, it speaks to the ability of this franchise to not only identify and develop players in the minors, but to continue to develop them at the major league level. We have on this podcast and across Astros Twitter given a lot of credit to Brent Strom, who is no longer with the team. So you should start giving some credit to Josh Miller, uh, the current pitching coach, who seems to have come up through the Astros system and to have you know beaten out some other promising guys to get promotions all the way up to the top of the chain and seems to be doing a really good job. Uh, Kyle Tucker was my other, like, I really was, like, like you said, I was very excited for Fromber to get into the all-star game. JV was a no-doubter, uh, but also excited that that Kyle Tucker got recognized by his peers. I'm assuming this now makes him a little bit more expensive to extend or resign. Hey, that's a, that's a problem for Jim Crane's great grandchildren. Um, <laughs> the reality is you've got one of the best all around players in the majors as a young player on your team. And so he is a recognized as a star as a star level player. Um, which absolutely fits in with the stats that he's put up this year. And one big help to the pitching staff is the Astros' outstanding defense, quite possibly the best in the majors. And a big contributor to that is Cal Tucker, who, for example, leads Major League Baseball in defensive runs saved by outfielders. Um, so I often think we don't give enough credit to Cal Tucker's defense, but that's been one of the big reasons why he's a star player, why he's one of the top 10 players in the American league in, uh, in wins above replacement is that he not only contributes with the bat with the, I always find aesthetically pleasing the home runs that go just over a jumping outfielder. <laughs> um, so I enjoyed his home run yesterday. Uh, he's a big contributor with the bat uh, on pace for 30 plus home runs and hundred RBI, but also uh, a big contributor with the glove and the combination of that. Hey, made him an all-star. Congratulations, Kyle. You know, the all-star game again is, is next week. And so the, the big thing I'm going to be watching, if I watch, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not a big all-star game watcher for some reason it felt better. And you can maybe speak to this. It felt cooler when I was a kid than it does now. When I was a kid, I would collect, they put the advertisements on this week in baseball and on the, the, the game of the week. 
uh, young people, when James and I were uh, <laughs> kids, you only got to watch one baseball game a week. It was a really big deal. Um, and, you know, they put advertisements on to get the All-Star Game program. And I bugged my mother until she sent in like a $10 check to Major League Baseball to give me those programs. And I guarantee you, I read $10 worth of that program um, for those All-Star Games. Yeah, it was a much bigger deal for me as a kid. I will watch the game because it's, you know, entertaining people in baseball. I probably won't watch the Home Run Derby, which I find to be lots of filler for very little competition. But, you know, they're trying to fill three hours of programming time talking about baseball don't want to disparage that too much um but yeah it's it's the other thing too is making the all-star team you know i saw a bunch of stuff today about how who got snubbed and my reaction to who got snubbed is these are just people who were gonna make it when someone you know you know ty france is gonna replace jordan alvarez um Dylan Cease is going to replace whoever pitches next Sunday who won't be eligible to pitch in the game. These aren't controversies unless you make them that. I don't think you have to. Oh, then that's a, yeah, that's a, a great point. One of the things that I'm going to be really focused on is going to be Jose Altuve in that game. Um, as far as we know, he's going to play. I, you know, I don't know how much this is going to matter for people, but I think it's going to show a lot of integrity for him to go to, to Dodger stadium and you know, he is not going to have any kind of a positive reception and still get out there and, and play in that game. And part of why he's going to go this year when he didn't go last year is the manager of the American league is the manager of the pin winning club. That means the manager is dusty Baker. So he's not going to leave dusty Baker out to dry, uh, hanging out to dry. Uh, being sort of the only Astro out there. And frankly, Dusty will probably bat him leadoff because he does that every game. He'll be the first player introduced, and yeah, he'll get booed, and you know what? Hey, so what? You know, I know, most people who listen to this podcast know that there were three players who didn't use the system, Tony Kim, Josh Reddick, and Jose Altuve. He doesn't deserve the amount of vitriol that he's gotten, but, you know, he is... He has taken it as a great teammate, as someone who is not, you know, who is not putting his role above anybody else, and that'll include what he does by showing up at the All Star Game and, uh, you know, receiving the affections of Dodger fans. The affections, yeah, exactly. It'll also be interesting to see. Um, I mean, first of all, we've also learned that baseball fans are stupid because they're also bored at booing. Tucker and Jordan Alvarez, but it'll be interesting to see how JV is received and how Fromber is received. And hopefully there'll be a difference in that reception. And if there is, I can have some faith in the collective intellect of humanity. Possibly so. Uh, I went to Yankee Stadium last year, and one notable thing is the booing was concentrated on players in the 2017 team. There were some, you know, isolated boos. Um, you know, when they did the line, you know, they line up, you know, batting first, Jose Altuve, loud boos, batting second, Michael Brantley, and some people booed. And I think a lot of them are looking at like, why is nobody booing? And then it was Bregman and they all, you know, lustily uh, continued. And that was sort of the pattern. We'll see. Um, I think most of it will be concentrated on Altuve. And you know what? It, it just, take it the way Altuve does, um, that it is, you know, just part of the game. And frankly, 
you know how we in Houston have booed Albert Pujols for years? Not because Albert Pujols did anything wrong. We booed him because please stop hitting home runs against. We're, we're just sick of watching you. We're booing you essentially because you beat us too often. And some of the booing of Altuve, I think, has reached that position rather than the 2017 position. I think, uh, yeah, I'll say one caveat to that. I think the average Yankee fan is probably more intelligent and understands baseball than the average Dodger fan. So we'll see how those boos kind of translate. Um, you got a little sassy on Twitter the other day, I mean, Brian. When you have a fan base that is 80% bandwagon fans, you can't expect the intelligence <laughs> level to be too high. Fair enough. Um, hey, and, you know what? And, and by the way, Altuve may not get booed because that would require Dodger fans to show up before the second inning. So could be in good shape there. <laughs> and I guess the all-star game, it's going to be all TV stars anyway there to promote whatever's on Fox next. And you know what? And here's, a, here's my prediction for Justin Verlander. He shows up at the introduction and the Dusty says to him, there's no way I'm risking your arm in this game. You go <laughs> hang with every celebrity you want to. I'll see you at the, I'll see you at the post-game press conference. Yeah, you and Kate go hang out with some of her peers. Um, but Brian, you uh, you got a little sassy on Twitter uh, the other day, and you're not known for that. Did, did, do you know what I'm talking about? I do not. So um, we, you responded no. to a Mariner fan who said we have to watch out, and you said I prefer to follow the Fangraphs predictions on who was going to win the West. Well, I mean. Hey, the Mariners have had a nice week and combined with some poor play by the Blue Jays in particular, something that was against the Mariners, of course, um, have climbed back into the race for the wild card. So um, exciting news for Seattle fans. It's the first time in 20 years. Um, thanks to the expanded playoffs, they may get a chance to, you know, lose two games in October. So, you know, uh, congrats to them. Um, you know, hey, the Astros are 13 and a half games up in the American League West. They are, frankly, Seattle in this hot streak has gained, what, a game on the Astros because we're just about as hot as they are. The Astros are a less interesting story because it's like, okay, they're leading the American League West and they're continuing to lead the American League West where, of course, you know, to go back to the playoffs again, and Seattle has the, you know, Will a Mariner fan get to see what will a Mariner, what will a 20 year old Mariner fan get to do first? See his team in the playoffs or have a legal drink to deal with the fact that his team doesn't get to the playoffs. Um, you know, so it's a more interesting story. But hey, the Astros have a 99.9% chance of uh, winning the division, according to Fangrass. I like my odds. Well, and I also like the odds, too, knowing that the Astros and, and Mariners only have seven games left against each other, which doesn't give them a lot of time to actually make any ground up. But I'm obviously not worried about uh, losing the division. I'm always not, not worried about um, even losing that second spot in the, uh, in, the, in the playoffs, second seed. But I am looking ahead at the schedule, and Outside of the weird doubleheader with the Yankees and the seven games remaining against the Mariners, there's not a whole lot of really stiff competition ahead, uh, really for the remainder of the season. Where do you see, what do you think is, it should be the focus then of, these, of the second half of the season as we get closer to the playoffs? Uh, it's on the playoffs. It's number one, keeping everyone, keeping players healthy 
so that they're good to go in October. And then number two is figuring out what to do with the pitching rotation. Um, it felt to me last October, like particularly Luis Garcia and Framber Valdez weren't at 100%. Um, you obviously have Justin Verlander coming off, who's obviously looked outstanding as an all-star, but who's coming off Tommy John surgery. So one question is, can you sort of taper back their innings so that some of their best innings, they've still got something left in the tank for October. So I expect we'll see some gentle IR stints, skipping starts, um, I don't know that we'll stay with the six, the six man rotation in and of itself sort of does some of that, but I think we'll, you know, again, see some skip starts, um, you know, some 10 day phantom IL stints um, for a couple of the top pitchers. Again, with an ID, I am keeping them sharp for October. That's really the biggest focus for this team over the second half of the season. And that means it'll be a less exciting second half, but in the global picture, I like that a lot. Boring second halves are good ones. Yeah, boring second halves are great. I'm I like not being super stressed about what's going to happen when it comes down to uh, the game. Now it does look like you know we had a couple of weeks where a couple of games in a row where we had starting pitching having collective brain farts. It looks like at least Odorizzi's brain fart is over. We'll see how Javier ends up doing. But I mean, do you see? What what is your pitching makeup look like when playoffs come? Because clearly a six man rotation doesn't really work in short series. Yeah, the two that would not seem to get starts would be uh, Urquidy and Odorizzi, and then you can make a decision on whether to keep them in the bullpen or just hold them in the reserves. I assume that Verlander would be your game one starter, Fromberg game two. I think at this point I'd have Javier in game three and Garcia in game four. But again, I don't have to, the playoffs don't start tomorrow. So you don't have to make that decision. You can sort of look at that depending on where we're at in August and September. Where do you put Lance McCullers? I mean, on the injured list right now, um, we'll see what he comes back and what he looks like when he comes back. He's at least 20 days plus away from returning um, because he's not on a rehab start. You get 20 days for a, uh, for a rehab uh, assignment. So we'll see where he, we'll see where he's at when he comes back. Um, if Lance McCullers is in the bullpen is sort of a multi-inning weapon there. That could work out very well in October, and as we talked about last week on the uh, last week, he has ego in the sense that hey, he thinks he's a ace level pitcher, and you know all pitch all all major league athletes do. But as far as you know, hey, I need this so I can get a big contract, and you're taking money out of my pocket. Not the case with Lance, because um, he signed the kind of you know he's in the first of a five year contract. So um, we'll see. We'll see what they do. I'm I'm not expecting McCullers to come back and be what we saw last year. I hope to be pleasantly surprised. I also do get the vibe that Lance is a pretty big team guy and would get it if he doesn't if he's not stretched out enough to be a starter. And I think with with the way he throws, and we saw, I mean, we saw it in the ALCS in 2017, he is a weapon out of a bullpen. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, you get up the he get up the velocity a little with that, and be someone you could piggyback with a. And I think you know, you know, piggyback with um, you know with a Javier in particular might work better. Again, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. All right, Brian. Well, I guess that's that's pretty much all we have for this week. Now, one of the things I want to do is when we come back, we have Andy back as we count down to September 9th, which is the official 60th anniversary celebration of the Astros. I want to start recounting some of our favorite moments on the show, uh, starting in our next episode until that particular week. So uh, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, uh six years of the franchise and we are in the and continue to be sort of in the golden age of it so it is um it's a great time to be an astros fan absolutely and real quick before i go i'm going to be visiting mount rushmore today um who is on your mount rushmore of houston astros players um i mean altuve has to be on there at this point right um and so it would be Altuve, Bagwell, Biggio, and by sort of Mount Rush, well, put it this way, by Mount Rushmoreness. I'm not sure Roosevelt is the fourth best president in American history, but he's on there and he is certainly a legend and there are great stories about him. So Nolan Ryan would be the uh would be the Teddy Roosevelt of the Astros Mount Rushmore. See, I would put Larry Dirk. I, I agree with your first three. I'd put Larry Durker up there because of, again, not the best at anything, but his roles in the, in the, he's, he's maybe the most Astro of all the Astros considering everything he did for the team. Yeah. And I suspect if we took a poll of, you know, a hundred Astros fans, we'd get, you know, six or seven suggestions for that fourth one it is it is the most up in the air and lots of different ways you can go with that well brian you definitely go on my mount rushmore of astros podcasters have a good week uh go stros you know the nice thing about our mount rushmore is it only needs three people you me and andy and uh hey that works for us go stros Go go astros is a presentation from twitchy dolphin media and part of the let's get to Baseball Network.